You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With the pump fake and a one dribble inside to the long two, and he makes it. That's been his game his whole career. But look at him smiling. We go my back. Welcome to another episode of The Log 2. I am Pete Rogers. He is Natty Wallach, and we are a Camilla Stanthony podcast and occasionally talk fantasy basketball. Natty, how are you doing today? I'm okay, Pete. How are you? <laughs> I am doing swell. Uh, we had I had an initial plan for for the, this show coming into it. We were initially going to talk kind of teams that were knocked out of the playoffs, what they could do uh, this offseason to help bring them back to a place of of contention. But then we had uh, a very exciting Heat Bucks game and a very exciting Game 7 Thunder Rockets game, which put Natty on the sauce so hard <laughs> that Natty then texted me this whole new reconstructed NBA that is form- formulating in his mind. So I figured, scrap all of the notes that we have, scrap all of the ideas, get rid of the, the past plan. New plan is we're taking a deep dive into the mind of Natty Wallach and, uh, and embracing this new NBA that he has percolating in his mind. I would just like to shout out to beer. They helped me last night. You've always been there for us. Thank well, you. It's, it's, it's beer and Scott Foster. Dude, I did you see the quote that like he told Chris Paul before last night's game that he had also officiated Chris Paul's like last exit in a game? He's it's terrible. We should not know refs names other than for like being good people or, you know, great at their jobs. And uh, that's not why we know Scott Foster's name. Well, and it immediately follows the heat bucks game where they want the, the heat won on a Jimmy Butler free throw because he was fouled. Mm-hmm. I, and like, yes, by the letter of the law, he was fouled by Giannis, but then there was an, also like an earlier foul on, it was just the, the the Heat Bucks game ended with two controversial calls by the refs, and then of course when you take it, it, the worst thing possible is when you have just an amazingly entertaining basketball game and comes down to the wire, and then it's decided because the ref can't fucking keep the whistle out of his mouth. The problem with the Thunder Rockets game is that the refs also know that certain players on those teams are going to be trying to you know get totally that maybe they shouldn't be getting anyway so they ask for it a little bit but foster is like you can just see his stats with certain teams yeah. and it seems like he really let me take let me not say it that way let me say this it seems Don't like he officiates way. certain people and certain teams differently yes so I don't know if it's because of geography. I mean, it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem like it could be geographic now because everyone's in Orlando. Like maybe he just hated refing in 
Oklahoma City and Houston, but it uh it it seems like if we give him the benefit of the doubt, it's at it's peculiar to say the least. And these are numbers spread over years and years and years of officiating. So the NBA should seriously look at it. Also, like get Scott Javi out of the out of the broadcast because he always just stands up for whatever ridiculous thing mm-hmm. the refs just did. And I, if I can we, well, can we, can we talk think, about Doris oh, Burke going, going, that's exactly what I was just gonna, with okay, him. Cool. I was yes, like, wait, 100%. I wasn't too drunk, right? Like that happened. No, like, Doris I could Burke not disagree like, with you more. Like, right. Yeah. It was like from the top rope, like let's bring this fucker down. And, and all of Twitter was like, yes, Doris, do it. She's such a saint. Like oh she, my is God, she is beloved by everybody in NBA and in, in basketball, really. So um, I've gotten, I've in the, in the process of converting my household from a football fandom to a, to a basketball fandom, I've gotten, I've been making Becca watch these uh, postseason games with me. And, nice. and so I, anytime, anytime Doris Burke is commentating, I just, I lose it. Like I, she's just so good at her job and, and she shouldn't, it, she shouldn't have to have that qualifier. Right. But, you know, I shouldn't have to like say that like Doris Burke, like make a big point that Doris Burke is really good at a job, but she's really fucking good at her job. Uh, and, and so Becca is like, well, why, why do, why do you love Doris Burke so much? And I was just like, Doris Burke is like RBG to liberals as like to the, to the NBA Twitter community. Like j- NBA Twitter just fucking loves Doris Burke and will protect her at all costs. And rightfully so. She knows how to present an argument right off the cuff that does seem very reminiscent of an elite attorney. And, you know, Doris Burke works for the broadcast partners and for the NBA. So she does, she's not going to talk shit. What she did last night was respectfully disagree and then explain why. Right. And when you said, like, technically Giannis fouled that last play, it's like, yeah, technically he did. And if the call, if the bad foul call beforehand hadn't occurred, then maybe people wouldn't have been so pissed off. But like Doris Burke is at a level where she's so legit, you know, she's, her job isn't in jeopardy when she says, you know, I believe that you're wrong, especially when she can back it up right in the moment. Right. No, she's, she is exceptional uh, at what she does. And it is always, it's just always nice to hear someone in the broadcast booth, like side with you, the angry person on the couch, sitting at home, yelling at your TV. And Doris is like, I agree with you. All of those watching from home. This was a yes, by the letter of the law of foul, but are you really going to call that in a, you know, make or break ish game two uh, on the, uh, you know, future MVP, two-time MVP. You also know that she's stood up for the refs and the NBA infrastructure beforehand. Like she, totally. she, she represents a kind of um, not pure basketball, but like she's yes, she's, no, I I agree with that. I think that's a right a, a good way to describe it. Like she try, she's so enthusiastic about the games and the players and the machinations that go on in basketball and about just the gameplay. But she's also, it seems like a real fan. And sometimes she's like, that's bullshit. Like yeah. I get it. I get it. NBA, but that's, but it's, we both but it's know stupid. that's fucking bullshit. Yep. hundred percent. And people uh, appreciate that. Yep. Let's uh, but let's dive, let's dive into the mind of Natty Wallach and look at this let's reconstructed <laughs> turbulent seas today. Pete. <laughs> 
Well, because because of the fact that at the way things are currently set, right? We have the Thunder just went home. We have the Blazers are home. Uh, we have the Jazz just went home. We have uh, who else? That's noted. Dallas noted. went home. Dallas went home. There you go. That's the only other one. Who cares about what happened in the East? I mean, Indiana is an interesting team that should be in the playoffs next year. Yeah, like there. That's a team that has talent. And but so there's a lot legit. of. Yeah, there's a but there's a lot of and and then with add that to the fact that both the Raptors and the Bucks are down 0-2 in their respective series, like there's a potential for this offseason to yet again be another just like absolute chaos, especially with the players who are set to hit free agency, uh, players who are set to be on the last year of their deals, uh, players who are suddenly becoming a little more mobile, uh, shall we say, uh, in terms of in terms of you know finding a new team to play with. So there's a lot of potential for big name dudes to be on the move yet again this offseason. If I mean, if the Bucks even even if the Bucks win a game, but if they lose four one, I mean, is is that where we want to start? Do you want to start with the potential of Giannis leaving, or do you want to start with? Uh, I know one of your first thoughts was <laughs> was do you do a sign and trade? Does Philly and Toronto do a sign and trade Fred Van Fleet for Ben Simmons? Oh yeah. Um, fred van fleet and norm fucking powell for ben simmons was your exact quote (laughs) right that's right i love norm powell uh ben simmons in toronto to me seems just so goddamn sexual like him pascal og um that's just such an amazing front court i think and i feel like he and kyle lowry would sort of play off each other extremely well uh fev is the man van fleet's great uh they need shooting in philly and tobias harris has such a massive contract that it seems like maybe it would be if if you want to make the team better then maybe it seems like you would need to trade Embiid or simmons just to be able to get a good return like i'm not really sure if you'd get a great return for toby back even though I like him a lot and it's not, his no, fault I think, I think you're right. That Simmons, Simmons and Embiid are really the only, if you, if the, if the Sixers are looking for like a franchise piece, you got to move one of Simmons or Embiid. Right. Uh, um, and that's tough to do. Right. No, I like this. I mean, I, we've talked, we spent a lot of time on this show talking about where Ben Simmons could fit who needs to play along Ben Simmons for him to be at his best and who needs to play along with Joel Embiid to be at his best. And I do think that an actual guard who can shoot threes and, you know, isn't, isn't Uber ball dominant uh, would pair really nicely along uh, Joel. That team, Philadelphia, I mean, the front office is getting shook up apparently, but they just made so many bad decisions and you know like they they told the whole world that they wanted Matisse Thybul in the draft and so Boston was able to take advantage of that and they they knew how important JJ Redick was to the team like they knew that one that. will forever that has to haunt them till their dying days I why just, you let JJ go is beyond me so whatever everybody makes mistakes all the time and also let's say this if Ben Simmons had been playing Maybe Philadelphia would have advanced. Maybe no. we'd be having a completely different conversation. I mean, 
the series would have looked different, I think. That's but fair. It's just such a fucking shame, man, because I do believe that you can have a good team with Simmons and Embiid. You just have to make sure that everybody else can shoot. And I don't feel like that's so fucking hard. Like they I liked Josh Richardson. He didn't do that well this year. Like he just didn't fit in. They need another playmaker. They need someone who can, you know, create offense and can shoot. Yep. So I don't, I mean, it seems like Elton Brand, the GM, wants to keep Simmons and Embiid. And that's great. I don't know if you're going to be able to get much in return for Josh Richardson, if you can trade Toby, if you would want to. Um, But they, I don't think that they can keep things the same and expect better success. Right. Especially with the Celtics seemingly like this being their, not floor, but like, I mean, Jalen Tatum, that they're on an elevator. Better. They're they're not right. even like there. There is no ceiling. They're they're right. on they're the getting, escalator like, going so, up. So the Sixers, there's no way the Sixers can go into next year being like we're going to run it back and hope for the best with the healthy Ben Simmons when the Celtics are going to be better than they are currently next year. You would, I mean, knock wood. Jesus Christ, jinx yourself, yes. Pete. My God, <laughs> what if they blow it up? What if they're like, you know Shut. what, man? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> we're going to Mookie bets this shit, and we're oh. just getting rid of our dudes. Boston. Let's get a bunch of draft picks again. <laughs> God, that would be awful. Oh, we would – yeah, that would be – I don't know if Boston fans – I mean, we are one of the most uh, sympathetic fan bases. We've had so much hardship uh, thrust upon us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You so. used to be sympathetic, <laughs> and then the 21st century occurred, and now no one likes you. Nobody be, likes you. It would be You've a had tough, all four. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I hope you get designated out or whatever the hell they do in soccer. Just like kick them to the curb, man. We don't it would need be a tough. It would be a tough two years, though, if, if the Red Sox traded Mookie and the Celtics traded T- Tatum. Like it would just be – that would burn – I don't think you can trade Tatum. There's no way you can trade Tatum. Luka Doncic. I think that's the only person where like both teams would actually be like, oh, okay, I'm not going to put the phone down, but I'm going to like sit here and think for a second. You have to like, right, 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 right. You have to think about it. But they wouldn't Uh, do it. I don't think either team would do it. No team would do it. Like, I don't think I would trade Luka for you. I mean, I'd ask for something else. I shouldn't. That's dumb. They're both great. (laughs) They're both so good. I can't believe we get those two and Giannis. And I, I mean, there's just it's so much stupid how good this, future. right. It's stupid how good the, the best players in this, how young the best players in this league are right now. And then you have the New York Knicks and the Orlando <laughs> magic and the Detroit Pistons and the Washington DC wizards. Well, oh. you, fixed, you fixed the Knicks in this, in this Dude. alternate NBA universe. You've fixed the Knicks with Russell Westbrook going there. And then no, no, somehow no. I, I returned the Knicks to their normal ways, which is that they have one overpriced dude who's right, exactly. sort of good and a star, and then a bunch of other overpriced guys that aren't helpful. Well, the the catalyst for trading Russell Westbrook in your NBA world is that would Giannis want to play with Harden? And would we could could Giannis? After the Bucks, if the Bucks lose to the Heat, even if it's a close series, like 0-2 is tough. And I saw, mm-hmm. I don't want to forget this, uh, Richard Jefferson. Did you see Richard Jefferson's quote? No. His thought, his hot take, what if Giannis is Scottie Pippen? 
and he needs a and he needs a uh, Michael Jordan. Oh, shut up. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, you say that to get responses. That's not I, like. First of all, the fact that Scottie Pippen is considered a two is right. only because he played with the one. Right. Like right. that's everybody's at least at best a two compared to him. Except Scottie Pippen was a Russell top five Green. player in the league when he was at his height. It's, dude, they went to the playoffs without Jordan. Uh, right. He's a singular talent who, by the way, would play extremely well in today's. He NBA. would translate so well to today's oh he'd be one of the five best players i mean there's i like i'd rather have scotty pippen than ad i think Ooh, i like it but some of this so the bucks seem to miss eric bledsoe's defense so fucking hard dude it is i mean george hill's out there doing his best but those young guards that they have they're not they're not there they're not good enough to do this and um you know, Middleton's doing what he can, and Giannis is doing what he can. I think some of this is the coaching. Yeah. Spolstra it did, it is just feels way like better than... 100%. And I used to be all on Spolster's ass during the Heatles because I was just like, what in reality sure. yeah, are you actually was. doing yeah. here, Spolster? But he is a very good coach. And I think it's just another thing where it's like the the textbook or the playbook with Giannis has been discovered. People know what this Bucks offense is and how to at least slow it down. And you need to change your shit up. Like it was the same thing with Billy Donovan where I was like, what are we watching here? Thunder, like do something, do something different, do something. Use yeah, your that does not include Dort shooting the most shots in the game. <laughs> right. right. I mean, game shout out for being the only other, whatever under 23 player to score 25 points in a, in a playoff game along with LeBron and Kobe. So, he there's blew. that to add to big blue it's great um okay so, so you should run it back <laughs> and so i just i think that i think that if the if houston if houston had lost that game seven d'antoni would have been fired and they would have had a whole like big big existential questions there because he won that game seven and because they made it to round two d'antoni i think is going to keep his job but i feel like I don't know if they're going to make it past the what clips. Is that who they're playing? No, they're playing the, they're Lakers. Playing the Lakers. It's Clippers Denver. Right. So it's what we wanted. Yep. Uh, but so if, I don't think they're going to make it past the Lakers. And if you need to make some sort of big move and it's just, I don't understand why the idea with Harden has always been get him another ball dominant guard. Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. What makes sense is, and it didn't work, right? They tried it with Dwight Howard, and it didn't work because Dwight Howard had his own shit to deal with. But, like, getting a, a big or, 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 or just, like, a, a paint presence seems to make the most sense. And Giannis, I, this is a pipe dream, right? Like, I, who knows if there's anything that can actually come to fruition of this. But Giannis and Harden seems like that seems like a duo that will finally benefit the two of them who can play alongside each other to the point where like you'll get the best out of Harden and the best out of Giannis, as opposed to like always putting Harden with like this ball dominant guard, CP3 and Russell Westbrook, where it's like, is that what what brings out the best in Harden? I don't think so. The things that Houston has committed themselves to, and I assume that the math that they're looking at suggests why they should do they should do these things is that they have 
their their team construction has no ceiling, but it has an extreme an extremely low floor. Like mm-hmm. if they're going to mm-hmm. take the most threes in the playoffs in history and they make them, then yeah, they're probably going to beat everybody. But right. when they go cold, they can lose to anybody. And the, and the reason problem- that they don't like having a traditional big is that they want to be able to switch everything. And that has been helpful in a lot of stuff. Giannis would be able to do that. Giannis would also be able to run an offense when Harden was sitting and Harden can run the offense when Giannis is sitting. So they'd be more complimentary than having another backcourt player. I I mean, you want to switch everything, but you've seen other teams have a quote unquote more traditional big and be able to switch everything. So it's, it depends on who that big is, but I do think that it's, I just, the, the a hundred percent committing yourself to this three point game with no backup plan just has, it's proven itself to be foolish. Once you get into the playoffs, in my opinion, right. It's phenomenal during the regular season when you're playing teams once at a time, but for a seven game series, if you get cold, that's that's a game that you've now lost because you have no internal presence that you've like built this. And so like honestly, it's it's it seems crazy to to like even spend this much time talking about it because ultimately probably the Bucks will make it a competitive series and may even come back from it uh and be able to make it into the Eastern Conference final. And Giannis will probably stick around in Milwaukee for one more run after this season, regardless of what happens. However, like Giannis is that perfect guy that would fit into D'Antoni's like whole master plan of an interior presence, a guy who could play every single position uh, defensively, a guy who has, uh, you know, can rebound, play defense, protect the rim, while also his three-point game is developing. I can say that as nicely as possible. Um, and so it, it, would, it would make the Rockets – I would take the Rockets far more seriously – uh, as like a legit, holy fuck, this is one of the best teams in the NBA come playoff time, cl- come like they need to be considered a top three, you know, uh, title contender if they had just, an, uh, just it doesn't need to be honest, but someone someone who can reliably give them an internal pr- inside presence when the three-point game just isn't there because it's proven time and time again, come playoffs, it's not always there. I agree with that. And I think some of that is the coaching. Like, yeah. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Dan Tony, and they don't call plays. And I think that's one of the problems with Houston is that when they go cold, they just keep doing what they're doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, they don't try to change within the game. They, like, there's no excuse for Westbrook having the ball at the end of that game when Harden yeah. should have had it the whole time. Like, what yeah. is the point of having James Harden if he doesn't have the ball at the end of the game? And yep. this can't be some sort of like Jedi mind trick. I'm just, you know, D'Antoni's just trying to give confidence to Westbrook. Like, no, 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 no. This is the playoffs. You have to use Harden correctly. And he is correctly at the end of the game with the ball in his hands. Like, that's why he's there. That's why he's supposed to be there. That's why they're so dangerous. Yeah. The The fact that Houston, like Houston's sort of like, um, sabermetrics in baseball where they suddenly discovered strikeouts don't matter as much so long as you're trying to hit home runs. 
So launching angle changes, and now everyone's just trying to hit it as hard as they possibly can and fuck right. the strikeouts. <laughs> That's what Houston's doing too. They said, fuck rebounds, you know, fuck having a, a seven footer. Mm-hmm. We, we'd rather have the points than play conservatively because we think our uppercut, our big swing is big enough to rock with anybody. And yeah. yeah, everybody strikes out, but all we need is a little bit of luck. Houston is notorious for being unlucky at the exact wrong times. I would also like to say Chris Paul was a better fit with Harden than I think people remember, but it's because he got injured at the end sure. of the year. Yeah. And and they also seemed to hate each other's guts. So maybe that didn't <laughs> help either, but like you it's not like Harden is some weird player. He just does what he does extremely well. Maybe the best that anyone's done it throughout history. So you shouldn't try to replicate that. You should try to complement that. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that's always per- like perplexed me is it seems like that that hasn't been the ultimate goal. And I'm sure he probably had some say in the Russell Westbrook move, given sure. that they're friends. Like I, I, I don't want to put that all on Houston to be like, why the fuck did you trade for Westbrook when – you know, I'm sure Harden was like, hey, go get my bro. But it's just, it does seem to me that we have seen time and time again, the Rockets hit the hit the playoffs and just it not be enough to get them past, you know, they made it to second round this time, but like to get them to the big dance as it were. Uh, and so I'm just surprised that like, instead of being like, all right, maybe we need to, you know, after last year's, like, instead of maybe being like, we need to get an internal presence, maybe focus or, or like highlight Clint Capella a little bit more. It was like, nope, we're just going to like, we weren't in it enough. We need to be in it more. That also puts a lot of stress on one of my boyfriends, Big Bob Covington. Yeah. Because he is not just called upon to be an elite defender. He is not just called upon to be able to switch and run all over the goddamn place. Shot too. Like if he goes cold and Eric Gordon goes cold and PJ can't get in, like if 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 Russ and Harden are the only two who are scoring, that's going to be hard to win. Also, like you need everybody at their best. Now, Daryl Morey and D'Antoni are probably saying, "Yeah, well, it's the playoffs. We need that anyway." And you're like, "Yeah, okay, fine." But there are parts of games that are different from other parts of games, and you want to have the personnel for those downtimes also. All right, and we are going to do a quick interruption here uh, for a ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now, back to wherever we were currently in the show. The Rockets 
if they if they're going to beat LA, it'll be because of the guard play. The Rockets have extremely good guards, and the Lakers don't have any. But you just like who's going? How do you switch onto Anthony Davis? Like I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like who even like the Rockets could get swept if AD ascends to actual brow level, like what we've been thinking he can do, and LeBron's going to be LeBron. It, there's there's no doubt in my mind that D'Antoni is a better coach than Frank Vogel, but I think that the Lakers have the two better players. Oh, like I think I'd choose yeah. LeBron and AD. Yeah, um, especially and, when it comes to like clutchness. And I say, that or just <laughs> like there's, I st- I still can't fucking believe that. I mean, I love the sergeant. I love Westbrook. He should not have had the ball in his hands. Like, no. he just came back from injury anyway. Girl, what are you doing, Dan Tony? What are you doing? <laughs> he should get fired anyway. And you know what? So should Coach Bud because, like, if you can't even look good just because you don't have Eric Bledsoe, that's on you. Like, you have yeah, to be able to do something. Come on. Yeah. No, that is – that is. I think I think if, we, if you're picking between the two of them, he needs to go more so than Dan Tony. Like but the they're both that, good regular season coaches, you know, like they and that, lead their teams and that's to the thing that just like needs to that needs to get the like get out of here. If you're a team that wants to win a championship, I could give zero fucks about the regular season, right? All I need to do is just make it into the playoffs. I mean, that's what we've seen the Clippers do. That's what we've seen the Lakers do. That's what we saw Toronto do with Kawhi, where it was just like, we are going to make sure that we're good enough to make it to the playoffs and get a good seating, and then we're going to, you know we're rested, we're ready to go, and then we're just going to fucking start sweeping people. Like, D'Antoni, to go back to baseball again, he's more like a manager than he is a coach. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, he's there to Mm -hmm. make sure that the team survives through the season and that everybody feels good and that they're he's trying to bring out the best in everybody, but he doesn't call plays and he lets his stars just sort of make their own decisions and everybody else has to follow along and do the best they can. But he's there for, like, the locker room more than he is for whatever he does or does not do out on the court. The fact that he's been the coach of so many successful teams with so many good players does suggest to me that he is a good manager, that he does have good locker rooms, that he does try to bring out the best in his players. And the fact that Houston is playing really good defense right now is also should be Credit should be given to D'Antoni for that. I, but, like, you you have to change. At a certain point, like, if they lose in this series, then Maury has to think about his decision-making process. And maybe they zig and zag because they just want to zig and zag sometimes. Mm-hmm. And maybe there are good reasons to have some traditional role players. But it's, you know, knowing that team... Well, actually, the owner might be broke, and the coach might not be back, even if they do do well, uh, since it seems like the Pacers really want D'Antoni, which would be interesting. Yeah. But it, it's it's a frustrating team, because you can see how they could be better, but right. it's also really super difficult to actually go get those players. You know, like, could Houston get Aaron Gordon? Would that help the team? You know, like, would they would someone like Serge Ibaka be good for them? Um, it's, 
it's just such a mercenary team and they throw people to the wolves so fucking hard, just like yeah. your Boston Red Sox. Um, so I don't know, but it seems like people like playing for Houston. Like, yeah. I think Chris Paul is like a rare dude where he's like, fuck that team. I feel like Chris Paul is the rare dude where fuck any team that he's ever played for that he left with. Like, I don't think he's Chris always Paul's... proven right though. He is it's, always proven right. What did Houston need at the end of that game? They needed a guy like Chris Paul who could hit a three. It's true. That is true. Uh, Natty, are you ready for the greatest transition in the podcast universe? Oh, I hope so. Should I put on a prophylactic or a helmet or something? Like, yeah, what's going you should on be here? prepared. Okay. Speaking of speaking of coaches. The Nets hired Steve Nash as their next head coach. That's my transition. Wait, who's <laughs> not Phoenix? What did I say? Did I say Phoenix? I said the Nets. No, 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 no. Steve Nash, the player? Maddie, have you been off the internet for the whole day? Yeah, I was at work. Oh, fuck work, man. Yes, Steve Nash, the player, is now the new head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. New GM, no, Sean Marks, he's the head coach. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm so glad that this is breaking news to you. He's, he, wait, has Give he me been your an assistant thoughts. somewhere? I thought he was a soccer guy. Yeah, Isn't no, he, he like, hasn't done he shit. own a soccer team or something? Yeah. He, oh, wait, he was working, like, in the front office for Golden State or something? Uh, Wasn't he doing? He might have been, because there's some relationship he built with Durant there. So he might have been doing something. Oh, oh, sure. I think this this was okay. entirely a Durant is like, I want my boy. Okay. Ugh. Another, so another white head coach with no coaching experience got hired. Cool. Very, Bingo. very, very cool. <laughs> Gosh, that's so awesome. Um, I, look, I, I love Nash. I don't want to feel bad about it because of that i think he's a basketball genius he's one of the best point guards ever he always brought out the best in all of his other players so that's so that's something though because (laughs) like you have a team that should be you know that considers themselves like one of the six best teams when Kyrie and kd are healthy i think why wouldn't you want to have a coach that matches their stature, but maybe that's what KD said. Like you're a coach who can get along with me and Kyrie. If you can do that, then you can do anything. Maybe I guess that's so weird. That's so, is, so weird. It's super weird. It's super weird, especially, and you, I mean, you said it, uh, and I want to bring up the tweet just so that I can make sure I give props to, to uh, the man who deserves it. Let me see long too. Not like Ty Lu, like no. Yeah, there's... Tyler R. Tynes, who writes for The Ringer, tweeted this out, and basically it was just like the blackest coaching pool in years: Ty Lu, Emi Oduka, uh, Sam Castle, Adrian Griffin, Mark Jackson, Steven Sil- Silas, uh, Darvin Ham, uh, Jamal Mosley, Jason Kidd, Wes Unsell, David Battenpool, Roy Rogers, Nate McMillan, Avery Gentry, Alvin Gentry, sorry, Mike Brown, yada yada. Steve Nash gets yeah. the gets the job, zero experience. And and to anyone who's going to be like, well, don't make everything about race. Okay, you can't tell me that like any of those coaches were less 
qualified than Steve Nash. And I'm sure Steve Nash, I would hope that the Nets did their due diligence and sat him down for an interview and was like, hey, Steve, what's your plan for the team? And Steve laid out his plan and he got a sign off from KD and Kyrie. And he's like, great, this is going to be awesome. I'm super excited. This is going to be great. And the Nets are like, we're in, we love this. We've done our due diligence. Like I would hope that that's happened, but let's also not overlook the fact when was the last time Kyrie got along with his coach? Like, are we sure that this is the time to be bringing in a first time player coach who recently retired, who has played against both these guys and his like, this isn't like he has been out and learning the craft and is coming to the NBA after coaching a couple of years in college or what have you, or the G league. It's like, this is first time coach Steve Nash is now coming in and coaching Kyrie Irving known locker room destroyer. I'm not entirely <laughs> sold that you can be like, oh, why do you have to make everything about race? It's because everything is about race, you dumbass. Think about it this way. Uh, can you name a black coach without any head coaching experience that has been hired just out of the blue? Yeah, I can't. Can you? I, I mean, generally, I don't think you should hire people with no experience, but okay, let me, let me <laughs> generally, try to give... Generally a good rule of thumb. <clears throat> so let me try to give, because I do love Steve Nash, and in a vacuum, this could be a really great signing. Uh, let me give one good reason why I think Steve Nash would be an appropriate person to have there. He was a player that dealt with injuries his entire career. And he sort of had to change how he played. And he was very conscious about diet and stretching and, you know, like just trying to keep your body in peak condition as much as you can while the injuries accumulate. Maybe that's why you bring him to Brooklyn because you're dealing Kyrie with two players. And there, Kyrie and, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, also Steve Nash is NBA royalty as well. He should be. And so like, I don't want to diminish him because of the context in which we find ourselves which is that like you you sh people <laughs> teams should be hiring more people of color yes that's just going without saying and if instead of hiring some a person of color with massive amounts of experience like alvin gentry you hire a white person with no experience even though it's steve nash Right. That's a little tough, but there's Steve shit, Nash. Man. Steve Nash might be a great first time head coach. He might be a big success for the Nets. This could be a great move for them, but you can't look at this hiring and not recognize that he is the beneficiary of white privilege to have gotten this job. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't have a ring. Ty right. Lue has a ring, but Ty yeah. Lue and, and Kyrie maybe are not simpatico. Yeah, I don't like, know if we this could just come down one. to your star players saying, this is the guy we want. Which and is fair. Brooklyn did that with DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. If you look at it in that, from that point of view, then it's actually black agency. Like we're doing exactly what our stars and best players, these doctors of basketball are advising us to do. I imagine Steve Nash is fairly expensive. Um, so Maybe we are looking at it sort of backwards, but in the context of our times, it's it's hard to see this and be like, oh, cool, another white guy got a job. Yeah, yeah. 
And I think, I think it's all the power to Steve Nash. Like hopefully things work out for me. It worked out pretty well for Steve Kerr, you know? So it's not to say that it's a recipe for disaster or that team should never do this. It's just like, we, you, you can, you can wish the best for him and be like, that was maybe an if, iffy hiring by the Nets, but like, hopefully it works and still recognize that there were definitely powers at B primarily, you know, uh, white privilege that helped propel Nash into, into the gig. So anyway, that was the hot, hot, you know what, man, if you're Kyrie, you saw what teams did for LeBron. Well, you saw what Cleveland did for LeBron. You saw Cleveland. And that's, and that might be playing. Just cycle through coaches. Who cares? Fuck them. Like none of the, you're not, it's so rare to have a coach that's more important than a player. It's so fucking rare. Yeah. And you really, like, I would choose KD and Kyrie over almost any, like, I know that there were rumors that Popovich could be the Brooklyn coach, which I sort of thought was funny because I was like, that doesn't really seem realistic to me. Um, But there's, there are good reasons to hire someone who is not white and it's not just for window dressing and it's not just for social justice. And it's not just because BLM and everything that's going on right now, it's because the league is weakened when they don't allow opportunity for a segment of their league. Like there should be more, there should be a female coach maybe like there, they should be trying to, open up all of these jobs because you know that you're missing out on opportunities. You know, you are. Yeah. And uh, who's Becky Hammond? She, Mm -hmm. I mean, she coached when, when pop was out for a little bit and like, keep that like, you know, she's, and she keeps her name comes up every time there's a coaching vacancy, but it's like, uh, that's maybe just like the woman getting thrown in there and ESPN, like, Hey, you're our partner. So we're going to make, Right. Like, look at what people actually do. They tend to fire black coaches. Alvin Gentry and Nate McMillan both got fired, even though both their teams went to the playoffs or went to the bubble, at least. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Also, I feel like Alvin Gentry did a good job. I, I still don't really understand why they did that. Nate McMillan got extended and then got fired two weeks later. But I do sort of feel, even though I think Nate McMillan is a good coach for a certain type of team, they, like they, that team should be going fast and that's not how he coaches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we wrap up the pod, just wrap up this segment too, Natty. I'm just on my podcast game right now. <laughs> One coach in the NBA who you would take over Katie and Kyrie if there is one. So it would be like, I'm the Detroit Pistons and through magic, I have two options. Either I get Kevin Durant and Kyrie, or I get Popovich, Doc, Nurse, Spo. Uh, who else? Oh, see, I think, I think Kerr and I think Stevens are on that list. And Stevens, I, I think is at the bottom of the list. I'm being, I'm being Dr. Pete. I think Stevens is at the bottom yeah. of the list. I think Kerr is near the top of that list, in my opinion. Uh, I was a little disappointed in Golden State's play before the Rona hit. 
Um, I thought that this was going to be like a blue chips kind of season for Kerr, where it's like, I just have terrible players and this is going to be my favorite coaching season ever. And I was a little disappointed that they didn't do better. Also, I would much rather have Draymond Green as my coach than Steve Nash, but whatever. Uh, he's, <laughs> I, he's still I actually, playing. I actually like that a lot. <laughs> but but then like, but then KD and Draymond, you don't want that kind of headbutton as as a coach players. I just don't really think that I would take any like if you take Spo, then I guess you're taking the Miami Heat culture with you, and I respect that culture extreme like they just they know how to get the most out of their players and to put their players into winning position like mm-hmm. i can't really think like goran Dragic, he's been there for seven years though and he was injured for three of them but but you know like that he just he was considered been, sort of a star when they traded for well they've him just they've been a team that regardless who's come through there they've always been con- like not su- like championship contenders but like eastern playoff contenders yeah like zone and that, and that comes and, down to yeah. coaching total same thing with brad stevens where it's like whomever the celtics were rolling out there including the days of you know hot garbage celtics where you know it's like you were still it was still exciting it was still and let me tell you as someone who experienced that you would be lucky to have brad stevens coaching this pistons team it would be a joy you would have no expectations and he would come up with some crazy ass shit. And when it worked, you'd lose your goddamn mind. I really like Dwayne Casey. Actually. I think that uh, the roster Ooh, was I do so too. weird this year. Like he, he develops players. He's good. I like that. I'm really glad that he's there with Siku Dumboyo. Um, Coach of the year. And then got fired. <laughs> dude. Like that's that sort one. of why I feel like D'Antoni could get canned even if they yeah. win. Cause it's like, yeah, yeah. well, sorry. Um, the, I, no, you take the players. You absolutely take the players. They matter so much more. Yeah. Like no, was, we were, we were delve We were dipping our toe into that hypothetical pool. And I thought, Oh well, wait, Tom in. Thibodeau. Yeah. Oh. I'll take him. Yeah. That's Naturally. I'm sorry. I Naturally. forgot. Naturally. Right. God yeah. damn. How the fuck I, Tom, okay. Tom, Tom Thibodeau and Jeff Van Gundy. Jesus H mother loving God <laughs> Christ. <laughs> God, dude. Those are are the coaches you need. Before we go, I am seeing that I asked you, okay, real question, all in caps. This was last night when I was drinking. (laughs) Real question, all in caps. Would you you trade Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal? God, no. Jalen Brown's going nowhere. I want Jalen Brown. Can I say something that's going to just absolutely possibly blow your mind? Yeah, please. I Did you like that? Absolutely, possibly. Like this. <laughs> uh, there is like 30% of me that would keep Jalen Brown over Jason Tatum. That's a good sign, dude. That's a good... No, no, no. That's what you want to have. Like, that I means that that's how hard love you love Brown. those players. I, I would trade the whole Jaylen team Brown. except for Marcus Smart. Every, oh, fuck yeah. everybody else. God, Marcus. Jesus Christ. That fucking... Ga- oh, my God. Longest oh, my God. tenured Celtic. Like, he's... Uh, by the time he's 30, he's going to be uh, one of... It'll be like him and Bill Russell. Uh, and he just and he just drained five threes in a row to just bring me After back. being so cold in the first... Oh, he, my God. What a monster. What an God, absolute so monster. So good at basketball. I want him and Patrick Beverly to be on the same team. I just no, you know, I, don't I want, want Grit and Grind Grizzlies back. God damn it. I want yeah. Zebo to come back. I Zeebo, want Marcus Allen to come back. Uh that was that was a good squad. 
I mean, All your right. Celtics just look – the oh, fact that you have okay. – so here's what you guys said. We were concerned about. Oh yeah, the we talk about we talk about how fucking good Time Lord is. We need to wrap this show up, Natty. Stop sure, getting me on totally. the Celtics Sorry. before we go. But that's the kind of <laughs> big man, you know, quote unquote big man that Houston would love to have. Yes, he has looked so good that series. I mean, and it's I'm saying so good really as in impressive. terms of like, yeah, in terms of like the expectations for him and from the national media and from Boston, it's just like he. Oh my God, he is exceeding them. He is coming and playing serviceable minutes and doing so much more with them than I would was expecting. And I love to see it. Love to see it. Like you guys and the Heat look like that would be a better Eastern Conference final series. Like it would be more oh interesting. My God, be so much more fun than Bucks Raptors. But yeah, I'm still the Bucks look bad and the Raptors looked bad in the first game, but Lowry was hurt i think and i think i think the celtics raptors have the much better chance of becoming a series it yeah. just seems like the bucks just don't Agreed. have it they're I, I mean the fact that they're running into the heat just shows how vitally important perimeter defense is especially mm-hmm. with a good shooting team also like Giannis versus bam that's rough that's also, been rough Giannis, for Giannis. Maybe uh maybe guard Jimmy Butler. Just throwing it out there. It's throwing it, it out there, buddy. I, you I want to win Jimmy defensive Butler player of so the year? Hard. Maybe go shut down their best player. Dude, we were so right about the Heat before the season. We were so yeah. right about the Heat. They're deadly. Good They're for really, them. They're really good. And I'm excited because I actually really like this Heat team. I like everyone. Oh, on for it. sure, totally. Normally I hate them, but I like this team. It would be uh, amazing if Jimmy was in the finals. That would be uh, incredible. Middle I'm, finger to three other teams. I am. I. I will say, and this is, I promise, the last thing. Okay. If the Lakers make it to the finals, I do not want the Celtics in the finals. I Aww, that's do nice. not. I do not want the the Kobe aura on me. Oh, I, I thought I it was because like you you thought the Celtics would beat them and you want LeBron to get a ring. Oh, I read that all wrong. That's no, not sweet not. at all. You, you bastard. Was, What's wrong I, with I, you? <laughs> I don't I don't want to I don't want to yeah. I, I just feel like I feel like the stars are aligning for the Lakers and I don't want to have it come against the Celtics. I want to I think that's so funny because team. I think that the Lakers versus Rockets could look like Giannis versus the Heat where it's like we like who's guarding who in this series? Uh, yeah, is LeBron guarding Harden? Is that really going to happen? I'm here for it. Who's guarding Westbrook? And does that mean? And if it's like it's not it's AD, Danny, Danny. Yeah, it's Danny Green. It's Dan, that's who. It, yeah, it has to be. He has yeah. to step up. Yep. Oh, and they might right. get Rondo back. We'll see. Lots, lots of NBA action still to go down, and that, totally. my friends, is why you tune in. And you make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That is how you'll not only get us uh, downloaded into your beautiful podcast feeds, but also our fantasy baseball and our fantasy football shows. Uh, And fantasy football, my friends, if you play, it's coming hot. So make sure you're tuning into that. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Twitter at TheLongTubePod. Natty, have yourself a good week. You do the same, buddy. Talk to you next time.